You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Well, hey there, and welcome back to the Sped Prep Academy podcast, where we bring you tips, strategies, and ideas to help you support students with disabilities in your classroom. I'm your host, Jennifer, and today I'm thrilled to welcome back Maureen Howard for the second time on the show. Maureen first joined us last summer on episode 96 and is back for another round. Today, Maureen is here to talk to us about running a school store with students who have disabilities, and I really find this topic intriguing because it provides students of all ages with an opportunity to develop real-world skills such as communication, social skills, problem-solving, and teamwork, while also building self-esteem and a sense of independence. It allows them to contribute to their school community in a meaningful way, and it can be a source of pride and accomplishment as well. But before we dive in, I just want to give a big shout out to Maureen for pushing through and for joining us despite dealing with a sore throat and coughing. It just goes to show your dedication and passion for supporting students with disabilities and your passion for supporting special education teachers as well on the podcast. So let's get to the show. Well, hello, Maureen. Welcome back to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's always always nice to be able to reconnect with past guests and learn something new from them. It just goes to show that as special educators, we have a depth of knowledge. We just, we know all sorts of things. So if you want to go back and listen to Maureen's first interview about student-led IEP meetings, that was episode 96, and I'll link it in the show notes. But today we are discussing a different topic. And even though Maureen teaches at the high school level, I'm positive that this can be modified for younger students. And that is the benefits of running a school store. So we've we've had this interview scheduled for a couple of weeks, but it's ironic that on Christmas Day, I received a gift from one of my daughters, and it was a set of candles made by a group of students in a life skills program at a high school. And it made me even more excited to be able to sit down and chat with you about this. Yay, that's so fun. I love getting, uh, you know, small businesses uh, gifts from um, young adults or uh, kids with disabilities. My mom has given me a couple of those um, over the years, too. Yeah, it was, it was really special. So let's just jump right in. How do you get started? Where should teachers start or what should they keep in mind before jumping into running a school store with their students? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as teachers, we often are like super excited about just jumping right in. And so um, it's easy to kind of like get swept up in thinking of like the most cool or complicated or expensive project. But um, oftentimes these things can be, um, you know, uh, you can get some of the items that you need for businesses through Facebook Marketplace or um, donations from families. So um, I think talking with your administrators to make sure that every, you know, like this design, whatever your idea is, is approved, um, is very helpful. Another tip I would say is um, getting the families on board. Um, I've done a couple of uh, school businesses with my um, students, and I always started with a letter to the families explaining what the concept of the business was and, um, you know, what resources I am looking for to see if maybe they have something old laying around the house. Um, one of the businesses that I've done, which I know you've had um, some success doing is a coffee business. And um, I know some schools do these up, you know, very big and have, you know, hundreds of orders that they're going and delivering throughout the year. Um, We're doing one at my school currently. And 
There are only, um, I think, eight regular teachers that are on the um, cycle, but uh, the at the beginning of the year, we sent out um, a letter to, or had a meeting with their administrators, made sure that they were on board with it. We had to make sure we weren't competing with the cafeteria. It was like a weird rule that we couldn't charge um, money for things if it was at the same time that you could also get something from the cafeteria. So we got that all cleared up. Um, and then we also talked with um, families and other staff members in our department, and we got a donated Keurig um, and, uh, you know, one of those like drawers that you put all the coffee cups in and um, a discounted rate of creamers and things from our um, cafeteria manager. So it kind of, once you get the ball rolling, things start to kind of come together. It's about using the um, connections that you have to um, not break your back or your bank account buying a bunch of stuff um, before you know, hitting the ground running. And I think starting small has been our most successful um, strategy. We started with only um, maybe two or three coffee people at first and then scaled it um, to a little bit bigger and we're hoping to scale it, you know, even larger, but um, wanting to also keep it centered around students and not get so big that now it's an adult job or it's a, it's a job that I'm managing all of the Google forms and money and, and things like that, that it's still really kid centered. I didn't, I mean, I, I did, like you said, I did run a very small coffee cart, one student, but there are a lot of logistics that you don't really think about before, you know, getting it approved by admin and probably even maybe the school board. Um, so just having to jump through a few hurdles. And what what would you say to teachers who are saying, I don't want to go to that trouble. I don't, um, it's too much work right up front. I think that uh, it definitely can be overwhelming. Um, I think that um, one way I've done a workaround for it is having the items be free, um, like whatever you're making. My first year as a teacher, um, I had scoured Pinterest and trying to get ideas and I had taught a life skills class. And um, I was like, I'm going to do holiday cards. Um, I had lots of donated scrapbook paper from my mom's old, like, you know, uh, creative memory days. <laughs> so I was like, this is basically free to me. Um, this, we have all those like hole punchers that were snowflake shaped and, um, corner cutters and paper slicers. So, um, I was just using the materials that I already had and I was really overwhelmed though, with like the money aspect of it and marketing and the, my kids certainly were, you know, had significant disabilities and we're not going to be able to participate in like that side of things, but it kind of, uh, was a nice way to ease into this where I could try it. We've set up a template. We had the kids and the assistants or the paraprofessionals working with me, um, start to get into a routine. And then we ended up just giving away the um, holiday packs, um, in like sets of five and asked around if anybody wanted them. Um, so it was still like set up in a business type model, um, with meaningful work experience, but it was not, to the extent that I needed a, you know, special funding account through the finance office or approval through the principal or anything like that. Right. Well, we mentioned the coffee cart. What are some other um, popular ones or other op options out there? Yeah. So um, uh, my favorite one that we've been doing is uh, a crayon business on Etsy. If you look, you can um, search like custom crayon names and um, that's what our school does. So I found um, I had seen it on TikTok and was like, I bet we could do that. And uh, I looked on Facebook Marketplace and I found like a really cheap old toaster oven that was like all crusted up, but um, it was like 10 bucks. And I was like, I think that um, 
that plus maybe those like letter molds, we could, uh, you know, um, do a trial run, a proof of concept is what I always pitch to the <laughs> that I'm working with. I'm like, let's see if this even works. Um, so we got donated crayons from the elementary schools and the high school. And so we were like, we know that you guys go through crayons like water. So all the crusty old little pieces collect them and then we'll peel the remnants of the paper off. That became like a first step. Um, then we sorted them into different colors then we um, crushed them up into, uh, originally we were crushing them up with like an old weight, paper weight. Um, but now we've improved upon that and use like a nut grinder to um, crush up the crayons and then um, pour them into the molds and then put them into the um, toaster. And then we have a, like a final step is the, like, it's kind of like a toolbox that has 26 different slots in it with all the um, finished letters in it. And uh, we did it last year for the first time um, at my school and we made about like three or 400 bucks. We just did like a set name, a uh, price per name. Um, so it was $5 per name. So if your name was Isabella, you really got a deal. If your name was Ava, you were donating to the cost. <laughs> um, but we uh, sold this year, my uh, one of, I'm not currently in a, a teacher managing the classroom role, um, but the teacher that has taken over this job, um, they made about uh, $800 and um, sold about 130 total um, custom name orders to different um, schools all over our county. And it was really cool to see kind of the students grow in independence over time um, with this, that we ended up, uh, it's grown so much from the proof of concept to to this year, where uh, we started with only one set of molds and one um, toaster oven. And now there are three toaster ovens and three, you know, set of letter molds. Um, But it's, it's gone really well. And um, it's been very exciting to kind of see it take off. I'll share one other idea that we've done. And this one is currently at no cost, but could be, um, you know, for donations or something. Um, We work with a local grocery store and get their donated flowers, like the ones that they're going to throw away at the end of the week. And um, we get one of our like employment support staff goes and picks up all the bushels of almost dead flowers, uh, but they still have a little bit of life left in them. They're just not, um, you know, perfect roses. And, We'll take them back and then um, cut off all the dead ends, sort between the ones that are really yucky and the ones that are still nice. And then um, the students will cut the you know plastic off, trim the ends, pull out any funky looking ones, um, prepare arrangements, and then they'll deliver them um, either in bouquets around our school to different classrooms. Um, we've had some teachers that are like, can I send one to another teacher in the building? Um, and right now we've just done it as a not-for-profit, no uh, funds um situation, but it's been really meaningful to get the kids kind of uh, doing meaningful work without it being just like work box stuff that you just do over and over again. Um, This is a repetitive task that we get a new bushel every Monday, but um, it's a different arrangement every week. Uh, We also have done it historically. This is our second year using um, the flower shop as a job, but we also have like the craft paper where you can wrap them up as like bouquets and tie them up. And um, the kids got to take them home to their families or give them to a staff member at the school. So they're getting a varied experience um, with both kind of preparation and following directions and um, delivery skills, uh, order completion, all of those uh, while it being, you know, a really low cost item. I think this one to us, the biggest hassle is going to get the flowers from the place. And then once they're there, I think we had two donated like water pitchers, like lemonade pitchers, um, and then uh, six donated 
uh, plastic vases. Um, but you can get those at Goodwill or Salvation Army or, um, you know, your grandma that's cleaning out her basement or something. Um, so it's been very nice to kind of just accumulate. Teachers are good at that, like hoarding things that we find along the way. And so um, if you have that vision in mind of like, all right, I'm searching for the flower shop. The next time you, you go out or you're talking to somebody, um, it's easier to ask, hey, do you have any old leftover cutting shears or um, something like that to um, accumulate your your stash? There's so many different skills that you just hit on, you know, that you could focus within those two types of jobs that students can learn. So that's, that's really awesome. So you said one of them you didn't, you don't collect money for another one that you did. And then with the coffee cart, you started without, you know, the money aspect. So when you bring money into it, is that, is that like another skill that they're going to learn? It definitely is. I think that um, that has been the thing that I've been most intimidated on. And so that's why it's been a little bit tricky. I think the, um, the crayon business, um, that teacher, uh, in p- part of the like advertisement, uh, little flyer that they made, um, added like her Venmo and, um, or like delivery for how to pay her. Um, so it really went from adult to adult instead of kids interacting with it. Um, but I know other schools in my County have done, um, coffee carts in which they collect the money more regularly and they have a cash box and, um, are, you know, making change. I think it's all about the population of students that you work with and catering, you know, expectations to what crew you have currently. I think the crew that currently is working with the crayons and the flower shop, um, and just the, the, you know, 30 something kids that are in my program at my school, they're not really ready for, um, that money exchange or, um, kind of, uh, how to make change and how to, um, you know, calculate multiple purchases, but they are able to, you know, exchange goods and, um, deliver things appropriately. So we've been able to pivot a couple of times to different, uh, options. Um, I think that the, uh, the, the coffee shop that we've done this year, we had, we were like, all right, we're going to charge money. Like we can't hemorrhage money all of this time. How are we going to replenish the supplies? So we did it on, instead of like a per cup basis, we tried it on a quarterly basis. Um, so you got paid 10 bucks and you got coffee every time it was like a, uh, a certain day of the week. Um, and that seemed to work well. We at least collected some money. Um, and we learned a little bit from that so we can pivot during quarter two and during quarter three. So, um, quarter two is always the weird one. It's like Thanksgiving break and Christmas break and, uh, coming back from Christmas break. So it's been, um, that one's kind of a wash right now. I'm trying to figure out how much, um, money we've, uh, earned, but we've talked about third quarter trying to bring it back. Um, but there's definitely pros and cons to collecting or not collecting. And, um, and the sources of money that your district has or your school has. I know a lot of schools don't have money um, or no budget allocated to SPED. So um, you might need to collect money or um, at least get donated free supplies in order to run a coffee cart. We're lucky enough that we have um, a pretty like robust budget for supplies that if we never collected any money, um, we could still deliver eight cups of coffee a week um, without it being uh, something that we were operating at a loss for. And then whenever the, the students are working and do they, do they earn, like, how do they earn, not necessarily money, but how do they earn, you know, the, the feeling of I'm accomplishing something? Is there a, a way that you could incorporate where the students feel like that they are um, being productive with their jobs? Yeah, that's a great question. I think 
trying to make work as real as possible, Mm -hmm. especially at the high school level. Um, But this would work at elementary school too. Um, I know elementary school has all those like line leader and light switch turner offer and, you know, all of these like jobs Um, at high school. I think that, um, you know, we're the last stop before they go into the real world. And so um, we want to make it as realistic as possible. So something we started um, during that weird, like, COVID year where we were like half in person and half online. Um, the kids that were in person, we only had about eight of them. So it was really small and, um, it was a good group for us to trial this out, but students were paid with fake money, um, every week. Um, and we kind of played around with what money made the most sense. Um, but they were paid, I think like $2 a day that they worked, um, and did their shift and they had to wear their uniform and, um, complete all their tasks for the day and, um, like clock in and clock out. And so as long as they did those three things to the best of their ability, they got their money. They all had little wallets. And this is about using the resources. I had like an Ipsy subscription with that makeup that you can get delivered every month. And it came in a little cosmetic bag. I had just saved them. So I had like 25 of them um, from the, the past um, months I had been subscribing. So we labeled them with their name. All the kids got to pick out one. And then um, at the end of the week on Fridays, they got to shop for something um, from our kind of like in um, the classroom school store. And so in that one, I had candy. I had um, little like fidgets and trinkets. Um, They loved because they were doing hot chocolate and coffee stuff. They loved buying a hot chocolate at the end of the week. Um, And so with their family's permissions, which I had emailed and uh, or sent permission forms ahead of time, I said, hey, we're we're trying to make work meaningful. Your student's going to be paid um, at the end of each week. It'll be fake money, but we want them to be able to purchase something um, these are our options of what they can purchase. Um, if you want to send in something special for your student or you have a special dietary restriction, like let us know. And then um, one of the students, one boy in particular, was very passionate about working the cash register. Um, so he would stand up at the front of the room and call up one of each kid one at a time <laughs> and say, oh, you can shop at the store. And they would like pick out a little something and he would collect their money and then um, go back and, and sit down. Um but it was really cool to see them kind of take ownership over it and um, for the families to get involved. We would take a picture sometimes and send it to the families. And um, they also had the concept of like uh, practicing spending or saving. Like you can, you know, the coffee is $10. So, you know, the hot chocolate was $10. It was always like weird to price the items of the things. Um, <laughs> but it's $10. You only have $4. So you can buy something smaller now or you can save it up for next week and um, purchase you know, the, the hot chocolate and then they, you know, really mull it over and think about what was, um, you know, most important to them. Um, but I loved watching them kind of grow in that over time. And they, um, the teacher this year that's been taking over the, um, kind of some of the jobs, um, she's done a digital version of that. So, um, you know, sometimes maybe families want to merge into that kind of digital sphere of online banking and, uh, so she's made like a fake mock um, PowerPoint or Google slide that has a bank account and they get paid uh, like every week or two weeks. Um, and so their account will rise in that one. And then when they purchase items, she like deducts it from their um, fake bank account. Um, but there's so many skills that we could wrap up into, you know, kind of the incentive part of this Um we talk about comparison shopping, budgeting, um, even that exchange of money, um, integrating a pin, even like some families have shared, Hey, I really want my daughter to learn a four digit pin. How can we do this? You know, maybe she has to have a, say her four digit pin before she can, um, you know, get her items for the week. Um, so we've tried a little bit of all of these things, depending on the student, 
uh, depending on their individualized needs. And it's been really fun to kind of play around and see what works and what was a big fail and um, kind of pivot from there. I think that that would be a very important aspect is getting those parents involved. And even within the IEP meeting, if you're writing those goals and setting those, um, you know, those dreams that they want for their for their child and incorporating that into the store, I think that would be really cool. So you said, you know, learning, learning your lesson about things that, that, you know, where you go wrong, what are some do's and some don'ts when you're doing this? I think um, I have a lot of students that have like, uh, you know, allergy restrictions. And so just trying to be as kind of mindful of the treats and things that are um, available in the store uh, was a very helpful kind of learning lesson Um, because you don't want to have something that the student can't have or has a hard time understanding why they can't have it. Um, So almost always I like steer clear of chocolates and things like that. It's always like gluten-free, casein-free options that all the students could have. Um, And trying to, I think um, that forward communication is super helpful and not just uh, communication with the families at the beginning. Um, They love to hear about that, but like throughout um, that, you know, Hey, it's been a month. I just want to let you know. So-and-so has been doing really well. Um, We actually had a hilarious case where a student, um, he was grasping the the concept of money, but he was constantly bartering with me. So I'd be like, Oh, here's your three, um, three dollars. And he was like, no, five dollars. I was like, no, I'm sorry. Like you only got three dollars this week. Um, and so it was interesting to see, like share with the family, um, the, you know, growth that he had over time and understanding of comparison and that this was more money and he wanted more money. So not just waiting until, you know, the first time you introduce something and then the next annual IEP to share the things that are going on, making sure to have that conversation and check-ins kind of throughout the process. So what would you say? You know, I we touched on at the very beginning, what would you say to the naysayers who say that they don't have the time, they don't have the space, they don't have the resources to run a student-led store? I think um, trying to set smart, we always do those like uh, smart goals, um, but, you know, specific, you know, measurable, achievable goals, something that's not going to be biting off more than you can chew. Um, if you're starting the the crayon business, you don't want to say, Oh, I'm going to sell a thousand dollars worth of stuff. You know, we're just trying to start small and make it um, successful for both you and the students so that they want to continue to do this. Um, I think being really purposeful with the the risk that you're taking and um, leaning on your coworkers, leaning on the families and leaning on skills of your students to choose a job um, that is going to, you know, be the best bang for your buck. Um, the greeting cards one was something that I tried and it never took off. I never did it again because it wasn't something that was, you know, meaningful and working well at my school. Um, but I tried a couple other jobs and they worked really well. Um, we've tried peanut butter dog treats and we've tried, um, you know, uh, co- copying and lamination, but you know, some stick and some don't. And so being really, you know, uh, don't take it personally when it doesn't go well. Um, recognize that, okay, that one wasn't a good fit for us. We ruled that out maybe this one's going to be better. Um, and then I think reach out to colleagues like yourself and myself and, you know, other people that um, you've seen have success doing these things and bounce ideas off of them. See if they have, um, you know, tips and tricks. I've had so much luck working with um, colleagues across the district that I'm in, as well as uh, colleagues um, across the Instagram universe, you know, and, and getting ideas from different people and, uh, and, really being excited and and encouraged by um, the success that other people are having and getting really good feedback from them when I ask, Hey, like, what did you do first? Where should I start? 
do you have uh, any links of ideas of resources? Um, I actually got, it's funny that we're talking about this. I actually got a picture from a colleague at another um, school in my district who after they came to see our school and our crayon business, she sent me a picture over this break of her new um, her new crayon setup. She ordered all the little, um, you know, uh, molds and she ordered the, uh, or had an old um, toaster oven. And she was like, I'm really excited. I'm like getting everything ready. So I think that just having other people that are excited about the work that you're doing um, can be really special. Well, I appreciate that you shared that that store with us that you, you know, that crayon store, I, I think that's a great idea. And I think that hopefully the teachers who are listening will get some inspiration, whether they teach high school, elementary, middle school to have, you know, to try this out. Like you said, start small. Um, you can always grow, but I, I think this is amazing. I think the students gain so many skills by doing this, even communication skills, you know, working with others. There's just so many benefits. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this knowledge with us. Thank you so much for having me. So can you tell the listeners how they can find you on social media and learn even more from you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram um, and on Facebook. And um, I have a website um, called Spoonful of Sped. And I'd love to connect. I post pictures of these jobs all the time. I think one of my most recent pictures was of the flower shop arrangements, um, as well as the crayon jobs. So I'd love to share more about kind of making work meaningful and um, answer any questions or share ideas. All right. Well, thank you again, Maureen. Thank you. Have a good one.